everybody, and welcome to the Flavor Text Podcast. I'm your host that generates a snake token every time you draw a card, Marina. And I'm turning all those snakes into cat tokens. I'm Sunny. We are back once again with more reading into the Thran novel, and boy howdy do we have a lot <laughs> to eventually go into. This is the chapter where, um, where Cameron goes berserk, I think. Like, yeah, it's... It's certainly a trip this time around, so I hope you're ready for violence. A lot of violence. It's kind of been a week for violence. Um, we've uh, <laughs> we've both kind of been going into some new decks that are some pretty aggressive decks uh, in terms of just card playing. And um, I, I still think you have the best deck name ever with Animorphs. A- Animorphs, my Animorph Cabaretti deck is not as... Amazing as I would like it to be my mana. <sighs> you just, you can't draw mana to save your life. I, you, you could have 50 lands in your deck and you would start with nothing. That's probably true. <laughs> I have seen your luck just absolutely shit the bed. It's It's been rough. It's been a rough go being thirsty. Oh, I'm so, one day, one day you will be flooded. One day the tides will change. Oh, when it does and... It does on my other deck. It it like there's no middle ground. There is that's true. On really, my fairies. There really is. I think it's because my fiance is actively sucking all of the luck out of the room by virtue of playing with oh us. Oh my His card draws. His card draws are fucking nuts, and he's gonna be listening to this right now with me calling him out on our live TV. And uh, you know what, babe? I'm right and you know it. <laughs> it's a little scary how He's he was so scary that I had a fever dream about Yogmoth that told me to craft a deck that could defeat his sliver deck, and then I did. <laughs> it was waking up to just heated like I have something that can beat slivers. And just in your manic state, and I was like, oh my god, are you okay? I was not okay. I like it's been really windy here, and when it's really, really windy, it doesn't, like, I don't stay in deep sleep, so I end up just having wild fucking fever dreams, and I'll, I'll give the audience the flavor text of my fever dreams, because it really was hysterical. I've had this dream uh, where we were all playing cards, our Magic the Gathering group, but we were playing Two-Headed Giant with, like, our face cards who were also playing their decks, so it's like, oh, I was there. Well, okay. Yogmoth's not my face card. I'm, I'm sad it wasn't Olivia. But no, I was there with it Yog. It had to be Yog, though. You had, uh, who's your who's your fairy uh, commander? Alayla. You had Alayla, and my fiancé had the fucking first sliver, because, look, he's not a tryhard. He just really likes slivers. Um, but nobody could beat double-headed sliver combo. Nobody could do it. And so... Like, the dream ended with, like, Yogmoth turning to me, gripping me by the shoulders and saying in the most ominous voice imaginable, you have to find a way to beat it. You have to craft a deck that can surpass Metal Gear. And I'm like, what does this mean? I woke up and I'm like, I've got to, I've got to do it. I, he told me to do it. I got to do it. <laughs> Just in a heated fervor, Yogmoth spoke to me. Like, I think I texted you, my fiancé, maybe one other person about the dream and I got like the same reaction from all three of you that's like are you okay 
Yeah, I was like, uh, just checking in, actually. Um, <laughs> are you are you sick? Do you need like medicine? Do, should we call an ambulance or like are you are you lucid? No, I'm not lucid. I was not lucid, and then I crafted a Zyrus deck, and it's actually pretty good. And you fulfilled. I your fulfilled dream the prophecy. <laughs> I fulfilled the prophecy, just not with Yogg, because he knew, he told me it wasn't him that was going to tame the beast. <laughs> and everyone's like, but if you play Yogmoth, you just win. That's not how I play Yogmoth. I don't play him good. I play him shitty, because that's what he deserves. <laughs> Look, it's more fun to play when everybody gets to play, and Yogmoth. Yogmoth says, oh, you played a creature? Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, you did? It'd be a shame if that creature died of scurvy. I have... One fear, and that's mono black deck. <laughs> I don't trust it. I was telling Sunny about this this deck strat that I um I saw on TikTok of all places with Varagoth, Blood Sky Sire, which has like ninety swamps and like mostly instants and sorceries with two things that are meant to reduce damage. And the entire goal of the deck is you play Varagoth. You attack and boast. You get the card Ad Nauseum, which lets you draw your entire deck for essentially not a lot of health because you're playing 90 Swamp. And then you play Sickening Dreams to discard your entire hand and deal that much damage to all creatures and players, but you mitigate the damage uh, with like Glacial Chasm or Dark Sphere. And I was describing this to them. And they had just the, the most horrifying look as I was describing it's it. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. I will never play it. But I think the concept's really funny. That's just... I was offended just by you explaining it to me. I was like, oh, good God. Clutching my pearls. This deck only costs like $60. Yeah, because it's all swamp. It's because, yeah, it's because it's mostly swamp. I... I would love to, um, we, we do have a try-hard player in our group, and every now and then I think about, hmm, maybe I should just, like, on the down-low build a deck like this, and if he ever fucking infinite combos with Merith again, I'm just gonna pull that deck out. It's like, like let's right. go! One-on-one, -on -one, let's take this out back! Alright, fucker, now I'm, now time for games is over. <laughs> Like, we keep ganging up on my fiancé on four-player, I think we actually just need to gang up on Andrew. <laughs> I, I really think so. I've been slowly being alliance with with your fiance and it I do it a little too late. <laughs> yeah. But the thought is there and I think I'm going to start really going for it. Moral of the story is if you do have a tryhard in your group, like just gang up on them, it's fine. That's you know, just just revolution. That's the theme of that today. That is today's theme. That's Revolution. today's theme. Let's stop segueing into horrible, horrible deck combinations. And let's talk about the Thran. Oh god. Oh god. Here we go. Alright, so we are finishing up part one of this book today, um, which marks about a third of the way through the book, actually, by the look of it. Like, there's technically four parts, but I remember the last two being pretty short in comparison to the other ones. Um, interestingly, I wanted to note before we get in here, um, I didn't notice this on my first read, but the part names are kind of cute. Um, so part one of this book is called The City. Uh, part two is called The Nation. 
Part three, the world. Ooh. Part four, the multiverse. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. That's a bit of a jump. <laughs> it's a little bit of a jump. Um, so we're doing, as I think I said earlier, chapters six through eight. Correct. And I think we're just going to get the hell in there with my chapter six summary. So chapter six begins. Yogmoth is a filthy, filthy liar. There's no possible way, thinks Glacian, that magic is causing all this disease. After all, Yogg is a lunatic who claims that there are fluids and little beasties animating humanity. Glacian, what the fuck is a cell <laughs> over here? I don't believe in microscope. I don't believe in microbiomes. I don't believe in organs. What the fuck are those? I have no heart. It's clear. There, there's a part, I swear I'll get to it, where, like, Yogmoth is like, yeah, there's organs in the body, and, like, everyone's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, how are y'all alive? How do you not know what a heart is? Has no, nobody ever been disemboweled? I guess not. I guess you don't need to if you just magic heal everything. Nobody's invaded Halcyon for years. With the amount of swords in this world. No. You would think. And... Later on, there's a lot of decapitation, so like clean cut <laughs> through a person. No, see, that's brand new to them. They've never been decapitated before. All right, well, well let's get there. So Glacian refuses to acknowledge that cells are a thing. Uh, but unfortunately, Rebek is starting to believe in, you know, the liberal vaccine agenda. Uh, it's because she's so fragile. She's so naive. She even believes Gix as he screams and writhes on the carpet after Yogg put a power stone against his skin. Gix is also a filthy, filthy liar. Glacian's in way more pain right now. That boy said, just suck it up. What a faker. Yeah, he's What so a fucking entitled-ass child. Yeah, this young man <laughs> doesn't know what pain is. He doesn't even know a fraction of my pain that I'm going through. You know, Glacian had to work to go to college. <laughs> It what I had to work. I, it cost me as much as... It cost me $10 to go to college, and I had to work four hours a week to make it happen. And it was so grueling, these hours. I had to go into customer service. Like, God, Glacian really does read like a fucking boomer stereotype, and this was written in the 90s. He's so unlikable. J. Robert King. Are Confine me. Are you... Confine me. In the future right now. <laughs> I, I will ask this question multiple times as I go into this chapter. So, yeah. This this chapter is Glacian complaining for the early bits. Um, Glacian is trying to convince Rebic about the truth of things. But she is, and I quote, incapable of perceiving the darkness of humanity. <laughs> uh... So instead, Glacian sits in his desolate room. No lights, no music, just anger, and also the complex relationship between energy and space that is forced to occupy within power stones. He BBC Sherlock's this. Like, mind palaces. Fucking goes into a mind palace and goes into what is probably the jankiest physics I've read in a while. I I think at, by the end, I started, like, my eyes were, like, glazing over because I was like, one, this doesn't really make sense. <laughs> no. It's not grounded in anything. Did you know when you charge a battery, you make a fucking, like, pocket dimension within the battery? I was like, what are you saying? 
Maybe a physicist is going to comment and be like, no, that's actually what happened. And you know what? Good for you for understanding how physics works, because we're a bunch of dum-dums. I'm, I'm a biomatter researcher. Who, who fucking has to know how physics works in that field? Right. Nobody. Nobody. That's how it is in medicine. But, like, I think the thing that really made me laugh, in particular, was I spent the entirety of yesterday watching videos and reading fucking actual physics textbooks about fucking false vacuum decay to, for our D&D campaign. And then I come into this book and Glacian starts talking about this and I'm like, this is somehow more complicated than false vacuum decay. There's <laughs> no reason for it to be like this, King. <laughs> Glacian, please. Your mind palace is confusing and weird. So yeah, in theory... Glacian claims in his mind palace that matter exists only due to the compacting of space. Uh, he doesn't believe in cells, though. Cells aren't real. Particles, though. Particle, particles are real, but cells fucking aren't. <laughs> the particles make up nothing else. <laughs> particles are just there. It's particles to person. There's no in there's, between. There's zero. You either are or are not. <sighs> Essentially, Glacian describes... Again, some hella fucking jank physics to deduce that when the matter inside his power stones is converted into energy, the space within would, and I'm quoting here, unfold and strengthen. Thus, charging a power stone creates a pocket dimension within the crystal, to which I said out loud, reading the card explains the card. <laughs> I mean, basically. So, Glacian falls asleep dreaming of the day when he will prove this theory true, and then wakes to Gix suffocating the shit out of him. Which, which was good on him, really. About time. Thanks, Gix. I was beginning to fucking, like, lose my consciousness reading this. Gix could hear Glacian's thoughts as, and was like, I've had enough of this dude, and decides to strangle him. Truly our hero. I, I, I want to head canon Gix as, like, a secret telepath. Yeah, he's just like, oh my god. God, you won't shut up! Shut the fuck up, boomer! <laughs> Just starts strangling <laughs> the shit out of him. Honestly, same. Honestly, same. It's only when Glacian's eyes meet Gix that Gix realizes what he's doing and has a brief moment of pity. However, that goes away very quickly. Gix believes, after Yogmoth's revelation, that Glacian has doomed everyone to pfffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffffff
revolution begins today! <laughs> Meanwhile, we cut to the Elder Council. Uh, Rebek is currently arguing with them, with Yogmoth at her side. Now, to talk about the Elder Council um, from what I can gather of how it works, because there's like 400 of them. And I wouldn't say they're elected. I don't think that's ever stated in the book. I think they're just like the community leaders who all get together and vote on how the city works. And then some of them are just the actual elders of the city. Yes. Some of them are like the oldest people there. De facto oldest. There's there's a part of that that I can kind of get behind because it's like... Because they're like city-states and they're all kind of like mm-hmm. unorganized at this point. With But with this kind of being their one... It's kind of like a house of representatives, but that's the only government. But at the same time, I would look at that and go, well, these are said to be community leaders and like geniuses and like magic aficionados and things like that. But like, I don't know if this ever really goes into like, how do the people feel about the council? Like, are they well respected? Are they, you know, looked down on for being, you know, the fucking bougie? Like, that's not really gone into in this book. Um... I would be curious, like if I'm if I'm doing my fucking rewrite fic, like I, I might go into that a little more. But like, so yeah, it's a council of like I, I think literally it says in the book four hundred people that just vote on shit that has to do with the Thrain city states. So normally Glacian would be there among the um, the central podium, which kind of has like the most influence of all of the influencers. Uh, but Glacian's sick, so fuck it. Uh, Rebek has just revealed Yagmoth's findings to the council, and they are debating what to do about this, because, well, for one, removing power stones from civilization would just cause it to collapse. They have built their entire society. Literally. Literally. The city would collapse. Literally, the city would just collapse. Some of the elders also argue that there isn't even any real evidence of physis affecting anyone outside of the Caves of the Dam except Glacian, who got stabbed by someone from the Caves of the Dam. So, why worry? Um, but Yogmoth counters that in that, surprise, he's actually seen this before, which you'd think would be something that his fucking monologue would have brought up in the chapters before now. I forgot that he said that, because it's such a weird place to say that. Like, no, 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 this, this has a precedent. And it's like, what are you talking about? I, I look in here, and here's the thing. I might take the take that he's lying through his teeth here. I will I will accept that. I would actually accept that maybe he is, because again, it's the kind of thing of like, if he never shows recognition of what this disease is prior to this point, and I could see him lying that he's seen it before to try and sway the council to it being a greater threat than it is, which is compelling if it was clear. Yeah, but he's just like, no, I've seen it before. No, I've seen it before. I just never told you. Here's my deus ex fucking plagina. So he says he's seen it before in three other cities he traveled to en route to here, and he's heard rumors of it in the other four. Do you mean deus? Deus. Deus ex machina? Yeah, it was deus ex plagina. He said deus. Yeah, it's because I'm a fucking idiot. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Continue. Continue. (laughs) You you dare think I know language or say things correctly? (laughs) I fucking said epitome for years. It's epitome. I learned that in high school. (laughs) That's how it's spelled, damn it. I'm gonna fucking... (laughs) 
Uh, just going to move on. Rip. Anyway, he says he's also found six other cases in the city itself, which has just uh, all been off screen, apparently. And that's not even an extensive search. He speculates that among the 400 gathered, at least 10 are infected, but asymptomatic. J. Robert King, come find me. Are you writing about COVID right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's there's so much of this where I'm like, I get that it's just generic pandemic, but God. <laughs> it, any pandemic and we're just like, oh God, now. Mm. Oh, oh, fuck. Many don't really believe Yogg, though. So Yogg asks for a chance to prove it. He wants a group of the brightest minds in Halcyon to gather and see what he's found so that they can judge for themselves. Good move. He also wants to ask for facilities, equipment, and the right to screen people for the disease. This motherfucker is submitting a research grant, and God help me, I cannot help but sympathize because that's kind of what I do for a living. It's hard to get grants, man. Support your medical researchers. They're crying right now. Anyway. He also states, even if the plague isn't a threat, doesn't the council want to try and help cure Glacian? Isn't that alone worth the money? Uh, at the mention of Glacian, though, one of the elders brings forth a letter. Glacian sent it to the council that morning. He has once again asked for Yogmoth to be exiled. Uh, he puts forth his belief that Yogg is a liar and a monster, and if Yogg is the only one who can cure him, Glacian would rather die. That's very paraphrased. This is like two pages of yeah, Glacian going, this bitch, this hoe who's kissing my wife, but he's cutting my skin open. But in the most, like, academically, like, <laughs> yeah. in the it's, most academic language you could fathom. It's like this guy published a fucking dissertation about how about he's, like, boning his wife and his he's so mad about it. Dissertation? It's a dissertation. Uh, <laughs> he's certainly doing some dissing with this one. Uh, so, you know, the elders are like, well, Glacian is one of a council members and he's calling forth a vote to exile him. What do we do? And Yogg goes, well, we can hit two birds with one stone here. How about we vote on my request? And if you deny my request, I will just leave. No hard feelings. You don't even have to exile me. Like, there's no purpose in me staying here if you're not going to help me do what I need to do. Um, the vote commences. And Yogmoth is given his research grant. However, he does take note of all of those who voted against him as potential enemies. He notes their faces and is like, okay, fucker. You. You. Like, I can only imagine that's like 200 people. Like, how many was he fucking taking note of? Just like, alright, fucker, I see how it is. I see all of you, this clique over here. You're going down later. But, anyway, closing scenes. Uh, in the closing scenes, I it cuts to Rebek sitting on the foundation of what is to be the Thran Temple, lamenting how what was supposed to be the crowning achievement of their empire is poisoning the people below. And speaking of below, Gix ascends back into Halcyon, an army of untouchables at his back. God bless him. The revolution has begun. And that is chapter six. And dear God. There, there are some doozies here, and I really, in particular, want to talk about the dichotomy of, God, Yogmoth being so fucking reasonable, with, like, the one exception where he isn't. <laughs> like, it's, I have a piece here, it's like, his motivations are just so obscured, mm -hmm. and when he's charming, he's charming, and, like, when he's with Rebecca, he's genuine, but, like, 
he definitely knows how to sway an audience and he has a different personality depending on who he's talking to which i mean i can understand for like a villain character but there's no there's no in line yeah there's no indication that he knows he's doing that and is doing it on purpose like i would love to even just what what would bring this all together is just a one-off line of Yogmoth being like, yeah, I, like, I know how to put on a face. I know how to, like, say the right words to get people in my favor. This is stuff I learned in my exile or something like that. But no, it's just, you, you cut to a scene and he's just a different character. Yeah. And it's like, I really, I think we've talked about this ad nauseum, ad nauseum again. My favorite new card. My favorite new card. But, like, it's... J. Robert King, come find me. I really think you could have afforded to waste a couple lines just really, like, getting a bit more to Yogmoth's head. And I say that with a cringe because we're already in there so much. <laughs> no, because I noticed this later and King wastes time on dialogue rather than the inner workings mm-hmm. of the mind. And that is to the detriment of Yogmoth's character. Absolutely. And I think that explicitly explains why he becomes, like, the monologuing Skeletor later. Is like, I get the impression that inner dialogue is not something King is good at. We've talked about he's not maybe the best at dialogue either. And it's just like, you need to get more into these characters' heads other than just baseline stuff because all of like we're in Glacian's head for a good portion of the early parts of that chapter but it feels like he's just talking out loud yeah it doesn't actually feel like a thought process where he's like lingering over feelings on things or you know how does he feel about you know Rebecca like he's just sitting here like oh Rebecca you're so childish you're so naive (laughs) the actual quote she had a fragile heart she was a glass dove in her glass temple. Uh, Glacian, do you love your wife or do you think that she's pathetic? I think Glacian thinks she's pathetic, but is pissed because she's not smooching him right now. Yeah, you're all gross, dude. Like, Glacian is both an incel and a boomer simultaneously. <laughs> He's disgusting. And just, like... <sighs> I, I'm glad that by the end of this book, we technically never have to see him again. <laughs> really? Like, I'm not going to spoil because it's a little more complicated than that. But, like, the next book we read is, like, several thousand years later. Oh, thank God. Yeah. You're going to get to even more annoying characters that you will hate even more. Great. I can't wait. <laughs> yes, I am talking about Urza and Mishra. And yes, I will stand by the statement. They're both awful. <laughs> Let's see. What other notes do I have? What other notes? Um, love how Gix doesn't get swayed by the um, Glacian Shapiro argument until he's just like, yeah, but if I think about it, though, I do want you to suffer. That's the only thing I'm taking from this. I won't kill you now because you're going to die either way, bitch. Yeah, it's just like, you know what? I didn't think this all the way through, but you, you, you brought my mind to a place where I think I've come to my conclusion. You get to suffer and I get the hell out of here. It's like, your logic sucks, but you made me think. <laughs> I love Gix And so I'm much. smart. I love Gix. My bar none best character. And when when they were going over like Rebecca, um, the quote, he was her soulmate, he being Glacian. In what way? In what way? 
Since when, Rebecca? Rebecca is to Glacian like fucking oil is onto like bird feathers. It's like, yeah, I guess they're stuck together, but that's not good for either of them. <laughs> it's bizarre. And this wonderful quote of her own self-reflection, in all her ascending, she'd left them being her people behind. There's something to be said for that metaphor, but at the same time... It's so heavy-handed. God. They're, like... I have to say that, just... Wizards of the Coast, hire me to rewrite all these books. I I will bring this into the 21st century. You can make them timeless and likable. We can. I can... I don't know if I can redeem Glacian, but I can at least give Rebek a personality beyond idiot. Yeah, I mean, I think Glacian's just supposed to be horrid and unlikable. I'm still not sure. It's the kind of thing where it's like, throughout all of this, everyone talks about how much they love him. And I'm like, are you the fucking Elon Musk of this universe where people just excuse you because you shat out power stones when no one was looking? Chapters ago, he was like, how unlikable he was. Like, yeah. they were going over how people were like, he was, he was like a crotchety old man who like, was very abrasive with people and nobody really liked him and like even his apprentices or whatever like were like oh god this guy oh, fucking this but everybody's guy. like oh no he's sick he brings us things oh no we he's sick him. he can't make fucking smart cars anymore no god my damn <laughs> what's going to happen to my tesla oh, i mean my god can't wait for the uh Glacian sexual harassment scandal to drop on MTG Vorthos later. Yeah, I really, I, there is so much potential here because in the, uh, in the whole council scene, right? Yeah. If they would have been like in Yogg's mind being like, I see where this is going. I'm going to use this to leverage that. Kind of like, you know what this fucking book needs? Death Note monologues. Oh my god, you're right. I'm onto something. I want the the fucking Yogg about to cut into Glacium scene, and one panel is just a wall of Yogg moth text, and then the other is just a panel of Glacian text, and then the scene continues. <laughs> I made notes because every time Yogg moth opens his mouth, that could have been in his head. And it would have been so much cooler if he just did not open his mouth. God fucking damn it, Yogmoth. Shut your mouth. It's like, please. Shut your mouth 2022. Just have a thought. Just have, have a thought and, you know, smirk over it. Just smirk over it. And, and, and continue. There's some words you can say, but you gotta sprinkle them in. You gotta be cool. You, ha- you have the power We can make Yogmana cool if only Wizards of the Coast will hire me. I, I'm if here. If only. If only. Shall we transition to chapter seven? Oh, God. Yeah, sure. So, this will, like I said, we're, we're I think I, I might have either said earlier, I just said to you, my, my chapter summaries for seven and, or, and eight are going to be a bit shorter, because we're about to start getting some action. And boy, howdy, is there not much substance in this action. <laughs> no, but I do note that it, 
I I was going through and I was like, wow, this action kind of flows really well. And then I was like, oh, wait, I spoke too soon. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, right. it just comes out of nowhere. I was like, why did we stop? Why? I was, I was going with you. I was on the trip with you. Imagine you're watching literally any action movie, but 10 seconds into the start of a fight scene, it just hard cuts to the next scene. Yeah, and it's like a really cool choreographed and then you just don't get it. You just don't get it. Well, speaking of transitions, we are transitioning to sometime in the near future, to Yawgmoth once again cutting into Glacian's wounds, but this time with the express purpose of showing the Halcyon observers that skin has layers. Did you know this? You know what also has layers? Somebody once told me. We're all made up of layers, Yogg. We are all made up of layers. He also talks about how organs are a thing. And this is where explicitly, apparently, nobody in Halcyon has figured out what a heart or a spleen is. They've never seen it. He's just talking about, like, yeah, there's tissue, and tissue forms organs, and organs are what have specific functions in the body. And everyone's just like, oh, right. Writing notes, yes, yes, keep going. It's very important. To know that organs exist because they all have different purposes in the body, and physis affects them all differently. And this is where we meet actually the smartest motherfucker in the universe, uh, Zod. I love Zod. Definitely not a Superman villain. <laughs> uh, Zod XOD Zod uh, mentions that there is a similar theory about how magic works. He says, you know, some folk are saying you can separate magic into components that each perform a different function. They even say that mana is made up of, of colors. Red, blue, or shut the fuck up, says Yogmoth. <laughs> that was so jarring. I was, it was like, so jarring. Like, he's had this veneer of cool, and then he's just like, shut the fuck up, Zod. Shut up, Zod. We're talking about science. We're not talking about your magic bullshit. But Zod seems to be onto something, does he not? Zod is canonically the first motherfucker to say out loud that mana has colors. And there's a fucking, like, we'll get into Ice Age trilogy eventually, where it's like, it's a big fucking bomb that mana has colors and how it's called upon and blah blah blah. And here, here's Zod just dropping that shit like 4,000 years earlier. Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's a crockpot theory, but people say. <laughs> people say. And then, of course, it turns out that despite Yogmoth saying to shut the fuck up, um, this has some use to bring up. Because Zod mentions that people don't just believe that magic has different colors and different effects, but are blocked by different things and drops the hottest fucking lore. Ever. Because I don't know if this is ever brought up again. But metals block magic! Which is, I thought that was super cool. That's super rad! Iron blocks a certain kind of magic, silver blocks another kind. There's apparently five whole-ass metals that block specific mana colors. I don't know if this is ever used in magic again, because I certainly haven't seen it I feel like it should, because that is... If anything we get from this book, I want that aspect to be... Brought up. Can you fucking imagine a counterspell that's just coin? It's like you cast lightning bolt. No, the fuck you don't. Yeah, it's like the coin. It's like it's fine. It's fine. Blocked it. It's fine. Um, Throw a coin at your opponent. Now you win. Now I win. I fucking get brass knuckles and I 
block your fucking blue ass counter spells with it <laughs> by beating the shit out of you in real life. I mean, that is the way to beat blue by beating up the nerd. It's true. It's true. That's that's how I I know you're speaking as a blue player. As <laughs> I I'm not a nerd. I haven't beat the shit out of them yet. Yet. Don't worry. It's it's gotten close. <laughs> once or twice, but only once or twice. Uh, but remember, everybody, this is all nonsense because magic doesn't have colors. But Yogg eventually sits there for a minute and goes, no, wait, no, go back to that metals thing. You're like, hold on a second. Wait, no, hold on. Uh, everybody calls me nonsense, but joke's on them. I'm stupid, sexy Yogg Moth, and I make nonsense work. <laughs> so he gets the hot idea to start licking rust off of instruments and uh, taking silver, gold, and copper coins from observers. He's got the idea for a cure if he can only... Wait a minute. The revolution's happening. Outside. Right now. Uh-oh. Fuck. Untouchables are rioting in the streets. Prisoners are clubbing people with sticks. Rocks are being thrown through windows. Roofs are on fire. My favorite part in the sequence, Zod is vomiting nearby. <laughs> yeah, he sees it and he's just like... <laughs> he sees fucking an untouchable brain someone with a stick and then just vomits in a corner. And I'm just like, I don't blame him. He's the most relatable character right he, now. He vomits and then ten seconds later is fucking in it. Yeah, he's like, okay, that now that's over. Embarrassing, right? <laughs> Embarrassing. Alright, my turn. <laughs> so, Yogg screams at them all, ignore the revolution. Get me rust, get me coins. We have trained armed guards. They'll handle the revolution. We have a cure on our hands. We need to get this done right now. Uh, there's protesting, but Yogg points out many of the untouchables are diseased. Maybe if he can cure them, he can stop the riot. Maybe if, you know, he treats the untouchables like people with a problem, th- hmm. then we can solve these problems. Mayhaps. You relatable Yogg moments. Here we go. Meanwhile, Gix is having a blast. <laughs> He's got a fucking iron rod that he tore from a sewer grate, which gives me, like, the best image ever of this diseased fucking man just going up to a sewer just, and just, like, pulls a fucking bar off it. It's like, you know what? Good on you. And he's killed at least seven people. And he keeps counting. And he, he maybe more. Maybe more. Imagine. <laughs> uh, killing people is fun, it turns out. That uh, line was so fucking stupid. But it's fun. It's so fun to kill these people, says Gix as he kills more people. And he also comments about for all the Halcyonites have done to his people, they sure die real easy. <laughs> And you know, there's a part of this that I really like, despite how stupid it is. Because it's just like, it's, a good part of this chapter is describing the fucking killing spree. It's like, in grotesque detail, describing Gix brain somebody splattering shit on the pavement. And Gix is just like, oh my god, killing the bourgeoisie is what I was made for. Good on him. Good on him, but... But the violence is so hard to get through. I was so uncomfortable through this chapter. It's not like, as someone who reads horror, and that's a loaded statement I know, because most of the horror books you find are about this level of, just for fuck's sake, there's a good way to write, like, violence and gore in ways that are unsettling, but not necessarily hard to read. Or if they're hard to read, like, that's the point, right? I don't think this was meant to be hard to read. It's like... 
Look at all this blood and gore, huh? I think this was J. Robert King, like, on a fucking trip. Especially because it's not even just Gix, but, like, we'll, we'll get there. But it's also in just high detail describes Zod going apeshit on the Untouchables, too. And it's like, oh, this is the start of the transition to when we get actual Phyrexians and they're just fucking murder horny. Like, this is the foreshadowing for that explicitly, but, like, God. (laughs) It's not fun. It's not fun to read. Uh, So, eventually the armed guard arrive to try and handle the Untouchables, but Gix is, I guess, just fucking top tier. Because he's just like, I'm going to dodge the spear. I'm going to brain you anyway. I fucking, you can't touch me with your armor. But it also mentions that the guard are so off-put, like are so overwhelmed that they just topple over. I actually like that detail. I'm, I'm going to... I mean, because they're like pristine and like, that's a good one. That's a good thing. I actually really like that detail because it's very well implied that the Halcyon Guard are like ornamental. Yeah. Where they were there to make people feel safe. Uh, all they've ever had to do clearly is just occasionally bunce an untouchable back down the hole. Or like subdue somebody. Yeah. And it's being rowdy. And Rebic makes the comment of like Halcyon is impregnable. Like nigh impregnable. Nobody's ever even tried, which means they've never like been in real fights. There's not been like war or anything like that. These are wet behind the ears guards that are facing people who just do not fucking care if they live or die. And I think that's actually really well portrayed in this, of just the, yeah, no, Halsey, I wasn't prepared for the fucking revolution. They've been complacent. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be, like, a fucking, I guess, military advocate here, so much as it is the, this is a really interesting metaphor for that complacency, and for how Halcyon has just viewed itself as above all this for so long, that when the this catches up to them, they can't handle it. Yeah. It's good. It is It is actually very good. It is very good. Uh, Alright, after he clubs to death another six Halcytes, uh, Gix starts jabbing a finger up towards the foundation of the Thran Temple floating in the sky. They're going up. The revolution ascends. God bless him. We cut back to Yawgmoth. He's jerry-rigged a cure out of the various metals he's been given. May I say something? Go for it. They, to create this cure, they say that they have dissolved the metals. That? Like, are they, (laughs) are metals soluble in water? Depends on the metal, but not the ones he's talking about. Gold? Mm, Maybe not. Copper? (laughs) Mm, Silver? Mm. On God, I think, unironically, what this is, is it's like he melted them down just explicitly into a liquid, but in order to keep the metals liquid to inject it into people, that would have to be, like, fucking 300 degrees. Because it, it, it <laughs> either that or they ground it down to, a, to like, a powder, but they don't do... They, dis, they explicitly say dissolve it. They explicitly say they dissolve it, and they do not specify further. <laughs> and it's just like, if there was anything else... I would like a little bit more on that. Just a little bit. I would like a little more. I am just going under the assumption that there is some fucking magic ass diluent that they used for this. That somehow just dissolves everything. Something that doesn't dissolve it and doesn't dismantle it into parts or make it into a different chemical. Yeah, because I absolutely would have taken they just ground it up into a hyperfine powder and put it into a liquid so it could be injected. Yeah. And, like, I mean, fucking other fantasy authors even kind of use that as a concept. Like, I've told you about my fav- one of my favorite authors, Brandon Sanderson. I know he 
so many people are going to be like, fucking course you're a Sanderson fan. Shut up. The whole Mistborn series is about swallowing metals and then using them to fuel your powers. And so it's like, oh yeah, no, they just have vials with like powders of specific metals, depending on, you know, what kind of powers you have and what you want to use. You could have done that, J. Robert King. Like, even that's technically injectable, even if that would suck going in. Man, if only there was a team of people who were all in on this. (laughs) Wizards of the Coast, hire me. Who had a creative team working together, checking each other's work. Imagine. J. Robert King, I'm sorry, sorry, but we're taking over. Continue. We're continuing. Uh, The problem right now is he has his cure, but there's a bunch of murderers outside. Luckily, there's a bunch of murderers outside. (laughs) Luckily, he can test this cure on those murderers. Uh, So, Yogg is like, alright, we gotta make our way outside. And pretty much everybody in the infirmary protests, including Zod, about fighting their way out. Yogg Moth tells them, you'll die if we don't do this, because, you know, they'll just come and kill you. Uh, and in particular, Yogg is like, I need to find a test subject for this, I need to prove it works, so that I can go take it to Gix and call this revolution off. <laughs> the quickest trial run in all of history. Fucking straight to clinical trials, no sub-testing, nothing. Yogg, sample size. Sample one. size one. <laughs> Yogg is a medical researcher, let's fucking go. Uh, Yogg finds one in the distance, and he fucking Terminator walks through the streets, killing pretty much everyone in his way in a non-trivial amount of detail, before grabbing this scrawny-ass man and dragging him back to the infirmary, kicking and screaming. He fucking chokes the shit out of him until he passes out, and comes back to find that Zod's gotten his first kill. <laughs> and Zod has now had his first taste of blood. Good job, Zod. He's grown up so much. He's grown up so fast. Uh, they inject Yogg's prototype cure into the struggling man, and they watch in amazement as his skin just immediately heals. This is like an instant treatment. No more of the black spots, nothing. This is gone. Holy shit. Yogg goes, well... Uh, I know how this works medically. The metal bolsters the patient's resistance to the effects of magic by blocking magical energies across the spectrum. Yogg, stop comparing metal to a vaccine. That's not how that works. There's no, there, there, but there's mercury in the vaccines. Fucking the mercury helps. We've just proved it. The mercury <laughs> keeps you healthy. You should inject more of it into your veins. Except you shouldn't. Please don't inject me. Please, please do. Please do. I'm, I'm telling you. This is not... This is not a substitute for medical advice. I am a published medical researcher, and I'm telling you to put mercury in there. Worried. (laughs) Anyway, um, now that we've uh, established that, you know, this poor man's going to have metal in his blood forever, uh, we go go into how it's probably not a cure, but it is a treatment. And a treatment is better than nothing. Also, after that, Yogg totally just fucking kills the untouchable, because why not? Allow me. There's a part where he's like, nothing personal, just an incidental occurrence. Nothing Nothing personnel, kid! And then (laughs) he's like, and now for your crimes, I revoke the life I gave you. Please shut up, Yogg. Shut the fuck up, Challenge. Oh my god, it's so out of nowhere. And this is what I mean, where it's like, Yogg's character just changes on a dime. Yeah, it's not... J. Robert King, gotta get in there. You gotta get in that brain a little bit more. Especially, okay, when he's going through and, like, decapitating people, like, left and right, just very 
calmly. Because <laughs> he says out loud, uh, as the rubble turned, tumbled into two bloody halves at his feet, Yagma plucked. Not a good candidate. <laughs> yeah, not anymore, Yog. <laughs> that would have been so much better if they did not have quotations. Yes, agreed. It would have been much better as a Keep thought. that whole sentence, nix the quotation marks, not a good candidate. That would have been so cool. And then having him going like, perfect. On the next person he sees, mm-hmm. out if he says perfect out loud, that makes everything so much heavier. Yes. Yes, it does. It really does. There's but it's just goofy. Like, I, coming in with an editor's mindset and looking at this going, there's so many simple ways to just take out or add some punctuation, even, that would make this land a lot better. Yeah. Chapter's closing. I'm just wrapping this up real quick, because we're almost there. Uh, We're panning out over the chaos, death, and destruction on the Halcyon streets. The guards are fighting helplessly against the untouchables. The city, once impregnable, now stands at the brink. Only as they die do any of these Halcyites realize that their killers are not the monsters they were led to believe, but human. Members of the Thrain. What? The poor are people too? Mind blown, baby! It's so stupid. But I mean, it's poignant. It's poignant? It's very poignant. As in, it poignantly hits me over the head with a brick. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, if... You know, I want to take this book to, like, a middle school English class, because this is a fantastic introduction Especially to, like, with all the violence. themes without making you have to think too hard about it. Oh my god, but it, I can't... God, can you imagine me as an English teacher just fucking bringing in this book <laughs> apropos of nothing? You would be fired. I would be fired. Uh, if if the kids snitched. So don't snitch on your teachers. Give them snippets to edit. It's true. I they don't need the whole thing. There was a, I saw this post going around where I think it was like an English teacher who was like, all right, if y'all finish your work for today, I will read you a chapter of My Immortal and let the class discuss like problems with it. And commented like, my class got better at writing because they saw where it failed in My Immortal and stopped doing those things oh, in their wow. own writing. And I'm like... Holy shit, I I respect you so much, and yet not at all. <laughs> kind of feeling r slash that happened, but but it does make sense because I would be careful about my immortal because there are some raunchy shit in there. Apparently they, they censored the raunchy. Okay, good. Is what they said in, in the post, if this happened at all. I mean, even if this didn't happen, I do like the idea of a class that's rather than looking at like, primo literature that's a hundred years old whose themings are really hard for a modern audience to get get some bad writing and go what would you do to improve this yeah right like right like try to rewrite this where did it fail do you understand what the author is trying to go for I, that sounds kind of fun and i think the brand because there's a lot of potential here that is mm-hmm. just it falls by the wayside just by poor dialogue and yeah, I definitely want to emphasize that despite how we riff on the story, I think there is actually a really interesting story under here. It is just fucking nerfed by, like, superfluous stuff. Yeah, if we go back to, like, the outline, if we get, like, an outline of this book, mm-hmm. I feel like it would be, if we started from that up, I think there could be so much more to it, but... 
I feel like this was the first, not the first draft, but like nobody really read through it. This was the beta release. Yeah. And then the editor just never did anything. They're like, oh yeah, I read it. Sounds sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, I read it. Go for it. Go for it. This is fucking for card games. Who's gonna read this? They only looked for typos and just didn't fucking absorb anything. Okay, hold on. Who's who's the who's the editor of this? Shut up. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to the title page. Does it list an editor? Can I call them out on What if he edited his own thing? No. No. They wouldn't let that, right? That that, that No, that's not how editing works. It I don't think says in any of the acknowledgments shame. I'd like to talk to the editor. Did you check the copyright page? I am on the copyright page. It it like the copyright page just has um the incorrectly attributed <laughs> Carrie Riddle, um, as well as publication dates, uh, ISBNs, things like that. So no, no editor. Um, maybe oh, go maybe, figure. Maybe I'll look that up and say maybe there just wasn't an editor. <laughs> Who fucking knows, right? Uh, all right, let's let's finish this up on chapter eight, and then we can uh, we can really get in here. All right, let's go. Let's fucking go. Let's cut to Rebic. Rebek is in the Thran Temple when the riots begin. She and the crew are working on building an open-sided spiral staircase rather than building a support system for the building. Accessibility, Rebek. Have you heard of it? <laughs> like, no, it's not even just the accessibility. But, like, imagine, like, I'm, I'm unironically picturing, like, you're in Minecraft and you've gone into creative mode and you've built like this foundation in the air for your castle in the sky and then you've built a single staircase and nothing else and you're just like good luck good luck what what are we doing here what are we doing do you want to start like at the bottom no we have to build supports build foundations we need a staircase that people can die from like where's it going there's no there's no like there's a second floor Literally, I would like to read this. Folk not prepared for the dizzy climb would misstep and fall 1,500 feet. The the ascent was an allegory. Shut the fuck up, Rebecca. To attain the heavens, one must pursue the quest with courage, balance, diligence, and sobriety. Don't fucking drink before coming out to the Thread Temple staircase. You'll fucking die. Who is this made for, Rebecca? You? Like, if there's any architects listening, feel free to shoot us a fucking anonymous message on Tumblr or on the Reddit or whatever. When you build a building, do you start with the stairs? Because I don't think you do. I feel like that's last. I feel like that has to be last. Or at least in the middle, because like, like if you're going, you're like, oh, we need a staircase, we're going to another level. Mm -hmm. Or like, I don't know, I guess if I was building a building, I would start with the full foundational support. Like, you obviously have to have that. And then I would probably do floor at a time. Like, all right, let's get walls, let's get stairs, let's do filling. Like, the ceilings will become floors. And then I would build from there, from there, from there. I'm pretty sure that's literally how building works. But Rebecca's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a maverick. (laughs) I'm here to ascend above architecture before Brilliance! I'm so smart. You know what this reminds me of? What? Okay, hold on. Do you remember that episode of Ed, Ed, and Eddie? 
that's like up, up incorporated. Where oh they're just oh my god, you're right. Where they're just stacking shit on top of each other and just continuing to go as high as you high. can. That is so, Rebecca. You are literally an Ed and Natty episode. Rebecca, you have the ingenuity of a fucking ten year old. This is amazing. Good job, Rebecca. Good job, Rebecca. So anyway. A worker calls out the signs of the revolution below. Bodies in the streets, smoke's rising, but Remick doesn't want to believe it. Nobody's ever laid siege to Halcyon before. However, she cannot deny what her eyes eventually see below. Invaders crashing over the line of guards and reaching the stairs at the side of the council hall. Remember, folks, how you get to the Thran Temple Foundation is by going to the roof of Council Hall and jumping on. Uh, so these untouchables are attempting to do just that. Rebic, so stupid. Rebic keeps calm, however. <laughs> she tells everyone to find a weapon from among their tools and reminds them because of her stupid-ass design decisions, the untouchables have to jump onto the foundation from the rooftop, which means they can sit there with baseball bats and just swing as they try <laughs> to jump in. That's actually what this is! <laughs> this is the climax of this part. This is the climax. This is our climax. Of and we're batting one. people who are jumping. <laughs> like, imagine fucking taking, like, one of those big-ass wrenches and just waiting. You're just like, alright, fucker, come on, jump up. Jump up to fucking try me, bitch. Let's get on here. Oh, like, pop it corn. Oh, pop it corn. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. These aren't elves, though, so don't That's worry. That's true. These aren't elves. They won't popcorn yet. But speaking of Yogmoth, Yogmoth's band of pseudo-doctors have weaponed up with all of Yogg's surgical tools. <laughs> <laughs> and some, like, legs of chairs and shit. Yeah, right? It's with like, whatever they could get their hands on. I want to imagine Zod with the fucking bone saw from He's chapter like, two. I have it. I don't worry. Fucking don't worry. Uh, Yogg laments not having a real store of weapons and swears to petition the council for some after he puts down the rebellion. Not the time, Yogg. Foreshadowing. <laughs> not the time, but very heavy-handed. The group fights on, taking down rebels with ease as they make their way to the council hall. Yogg has correctly deduced that that is where Gix is taking the rebels. He believes the rebellion will cease when he injects Gix with the cure. Now, I want to briefly talk about this logic that Yogg has right now, because as far as he's concerned, he's like, yeah, if I provide the, the people with a cure for their disease, they'll stop rebelling, and I want the AU where they just get the cure and just don't give a shit. Because, like, they're explicitly, like, these people are ready to die. Yeah. They are in a, re they are rioting, they are ready to die for what they're going for. Gix, bless his heart. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Bless him. Is definitely in the mindset of do or die. Yes. Very explicitly. But, you know, if he's cured, he'll be fine. He'll calm down. Yeah, they'll just make him... Sure, yeah, that's it. That's and it. he won't just... Okay, cool. It's whatever. What? It's whatever. Let's cut back to Rebek. Because if you, you may notice I've, I've cut back and forth between characters pretty rapidly in these past three that's chapters. that's how they do it. That's fucking how it is. It's like a paragraph of Yogg, and then we'll cut back to Rebek. Uh, she's killed two dozen people now, um, some of which are just young kids, and that's sad. But no need to acknowledge that they were born into the filth that Halcyon put their parents in. No. Don't worry about it. It's sad that the kid is rebelling and she had to kill him. 
That's the sad part. She also has to encourage her workers to defend themselves, but eventually they figure out if they don't, they will literally die. So they start holding it. Let's cut back to Yogg. <laughs> Enough of her! <laughs> Enough of her. Enough of Rebek being sad about kids. Uh, back to Yogg and this absolutely stellar line. It had taken months for Yogmoth to turn his observers into healers. It took only moments to turn healers into killers. I'm a healer, but... That's just how it is in the medical profession. Can confirm. Like You just, on a dime, you, have, dime. To, like, you yeah, have to switch. P.I.'s like, you gotta come in this weekend for a cell culture. Um, actually, actually, what if, what if, <laughs> what if, hear me out, we took this out back. Uh, Zod is a maniac on the battlefield, and this is where, holy crap, they go into Zod just... He's, he's in a blood rage right he's now. A fucking tism right now. Just going off. He's like, yeah! Fucking kill him, let's go! He, he went from vomiting at the floor at the sight of violence to, you know, kind of reveling in it. And I think Yogmoth is most impressed and maybe a little bit horny about it. <laughs> it's unclear. It's unclear. <laughs> Yogg is like, mmm, Zod. I can, I can use him. I can this turn him. Spunk. I can make him oh. even more deadly. And spunk, you say? <laughs> Yikes. Yes. Wrong word. <laughs> right word. <laughs> There's no foreshadowing here at all, people. None no, God, whatsoever. God, no. God, no. Back to Rebek. <laughs> Just in case you forgot about her. Did you forget that Rebek is here? Uh, Gix has reached her. Gix wants her dead because how better than to make Glacian and Yogg suffer than by killing the Cuck Prize Supreme herself. Gix manages to jump onto the Foundation because he's just better than everyone. <laughs> and he kills several of the workers and knocks a few others unconscious. Rebek tries to retreat, but Gix follows. And here is where I'm gonna, I'm gonna scroll back into the book a bit because there was a whole line that I want to read out loud from this particular sequence that, uh... Okay, here it is. Gix says, I know what you are trying to do, Rebek. Everyone knows. But you are rising by climbing across our bodies. Your husband's mana rig kills us. Your temple kills even your own people. Do you care? Do you stop? Do you dismantle the horrors you have made? Or only build them taller? I got that one too, and I was like, thank you for saying it out loud to her. You know that fucking Mickey Mouse meme that's like, will you... Die like a dog, or <laughs> will you rise up? <laughs> this is the energy this feels like. Basically, right <laughs> will you die like a dog? Ha ha! Ha Yes, I will. Um, so, Rebek counters this by saying Yogmoth's gonna find a cure, and Gix denies this. But just in time, here comes stupid, sexy Yogmoth in the sedan chair. Curing the sun. I would, and I will. There, everybody. Uh, once again, Gix doesn't believe him at first. Uh, he denies Yogg's request to cure the untouchables and send them back home. Uh, Fair. Claiming that Yogg might just be trying to poison him, and that's correct. A good assumption. So Yogg correctly offers to inject it into himself first to prove that it isn't poison. As Yogg isn't sick, it's just a metal injection. No harm done. Nobody here's heard of lead poisoning. It's fine. It's fine. Gix sees that Yogmoth lives and allows himself to be injected. Then he sees his body begin to cure itself of the black lesions of the phthysis. Yogg 
clarifies that this is only a treatment and may only last a week. Because you only got half a dose. You only got half a dose. But if you give me some time, he says, he can make enough doses for everyone. Gix tells him he's got one week to do so, or else the revolution will start again. And that is where we end part one, the city. Okay, so on that last note with Yogg um, being wreathed in radiance of the sun. God. Um, <laughs> what? Shut the fuck up, Yogg 2022. Right? And I was like, right here, Yogg blazing like the sun is a little bit confusing. He comes with the cure and to save the entire city, wreathed in radiance. Like, I guess this can happen too, since we're making shit up. Yeah. I mean, he's got the sedan chair. He can just levitate until he blocks the sun, Yeah, it's right? just like, okay, like, heavy-handed to blot out the sun, but then he's wreathed in it, and I'm like, okay. Yogg, the savior of Halcyon. Our villain, right? Our this villain. is our villain. This is our villain. Let's emphasize, he's a villain. He's the villain who fucking I... Terminator walked through the streets just minutes earlier, cutting down everyone in his way. <laughs> I don't... This isn't... It doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, I want it to make sense. I once again ask Yogg, what's in your heart? What is in... Yes, what's in your heart? Like... You may never know. Because your, your fucking motivations are all over the place. Your dreams are unclear. If we... I, I know what it is. Hmm. Because we don't have, we get so much of their inner world, but we don't get enough. It's it's really writing a line of, it's not that you're not in there, it's just what you're being shown is not it's what not, you need to see yeah. for these motivations to come together. That's why it feels so wrong. It's because, like, if we knew what his end, like, his end goal is, maybe the council scene would have been a little bit like, okay, this is what he's doing, he's being calculating, he's being, like, he's being manipulative in this way, but no, it's just like, I'm being so genuine, and it's like, okay, are we supposed to be like the council and try to, I'm like, being wooed by him? We need, like, a line in chapter two as he's walking up to the city where he's just like, you know... I've been exiled for this long, and I'm going to make sure Halcyon pays for what they did to me. I'm going to turn over the establishment. I'm going to work my way to the top. I'm going to make them regret ever sending me out, right? Even just little lines like that. Not out loud, hopefully. Not out loud, hopefully. But, like, even monologues, inner monologues like that, could give just a lot more perspective on, like, how he's acting and why he's acting this way. Like the only character who like whose motivations stick together at all for any period of time, it's not even Gix, because Gix also kind of heel turns on a dime to violence sometimes. I mean, I guess he's a little violent man. I mean, he's like, just a little twisted guy. But like the only person whose motivations make any sense at all is Rebek, and that's because her motivations are dumb and easy to keep track her, of. <laughs> her fucking motivation is one thing, and that's ascent. Ascent could go up. Unincorporated. Like, I at one point, I was, and you can reach heaven if you're all of this, and you, if you don't get fucked, I guess. This is the stupidest thing you could have done, Rebecca. I hate you, is what I've written. <laughs> Up Incorporated, let's go. We're gonna go to the moon, baby. 25 cents, please. <laughs> fucking 25 cents and then jump onto this fucking elevator. Yeah, hope you don't die. Hope you don't die. It's fucking. It, it's so, it's. 
there's just so much. There's so much going on and so much potential left by the wayside that we can't. <sighs> but I like thinking about what it could have been. You you are starting to really truly get that bug I got reading all of Naruto. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like I, hate, I hate to compare it to this, but it's just like you you spend so much time getting into something like this, and I feel like you can't help but go, God, what if? What if we could have more of this, less of this? Every chapter's a Gix chapter. Hear me out. Oh my god. The whole book from Gix's perspective? The whole book from Gix's perspective. You could do that. I could probably make it. Yeah, we could probably... It would be way more compelling, too. Like, you would be, you would be sitting, you like, you would be in the geek's perspective and you'd be like, God, is Rebic really that stupid? And the answer is yes. Yes, no need to elaborate. Yeah, if you only change the fucking uh, point of view character to Gix, I think this suddenly is a good book. But right now it's just competent and frustratingly on the edge of teetering to. This is really good. God, can we talk about, like, the fucking very blatant misogyny about this, too? (laughs) It's just like, J. Robert King, I know you're a 90s fantasy writer, but come find me. Yeah, there was in, I think, oh my god, it was either, it's just at the beginning of the riot, and he very specifically goes into, there's a woman being brained. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was just like, did it need to be a woman? Like, could you just make it a person? It, it's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, when you when you pull back the curtain, woman being brained, when you're talking about violence, there's nothing necessarily inherently like, you should never write this. But in the context of how this book is written, and it's like, oh, they're trying to make the untouchables look like fucking savages. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about how they're brutalizing the women and children. I think y'all, even at one point to the fucking patient zero of his cure, like was like... Murder and rape. Like, and I'm we didn't even like, say any of that. Why would the Untouchables be raping people? Sorry. They're, they're like in... They're in... A rage. They're not going to stop to... They're in a murder rage. They're, they're fucking in a murder rage trying to bring down the bourgeoisie. And when did I, and you I'm, bring in rape? And I'm not saying that, like, big giant rage protest movements couldn't get escalated to this extent. But it's the kind of thing where it's like, you have spent so much time trying to build up the Untouchables as sympathetic, and then you turn them into, like, murder brutes in, like, a chapter. They're, it's very... J. Robert King, what's in your heart? Yeah, what is in your heart? Where are we supposed to feel? How are we supposed to feel about any of these characters? This is where I, I definitely say, God, if I was rewriting this, like, things I would cut. Things that just don't add anything to the story and are confusing in the narrative you're trying to bring forward. Because ultimately, I think the moral of the story in terms of Yogmoth's arc, in terms of Halcyon and Rebek and Glacian is reaching too high, and it coming back to bite you in the ass. Oh, that's the whole theme of this book. I think that's unironically just the whole theme of this book. And and with the foreword that J. Robert King wrote about how this is going to clearly be an allegory for, you know, Soviet Russia, it's like, okay, yeah, no, there are some themes in this that 
point to this conclusion, but you can't have your underdogs who are trying to ride against the system be like this. That that undermines the point you're trying to make. Yeah, it... Gist deserves better! It feels like propaganda. It's propaganda! Don't be communist, you fuckers. Right, every, everybody in the 90s, don't be... Don't, don't be revolt! You'll Red become scare. awful. Red scare. red scare. Well, I'm red here. Red players. Represent. Hell yeah, red. Hell yeah, red players. Well, that's part one of the Thran. And we will, uh... I think next week, we'll have a small prologue again. So oh, we'll, get, we'll get to skip ahead to Skeletor Yawgmoth once more. I'm so excited. And then, uh, do we want to do two or three chapters of the... Let's do three chapters Let's again. do three chapters. Three again. chapters, and we'll see about how it evens out. We'll see how it evens out. Uh, that That's fine by me. And uh, for people who are reading along, please feel free to join us or suffer with us in this case. Please and uh, join us. Let's uh let's transition to some some news and some discussion of what's going on in uh, not the nineties. Okie dokie. All right, so we have got some pretty significant card drops, which Sonny's a lot more qualified to talk about than I am. So why don't you go into why you're so excited? about the cards that were released in the past couple weeks. I'm so excited because the new set that's coming out, the Baldur's Gate Commander set, I'm so excited because I'm such... I haven't played all of the Baldur's Gate games, but three has been a lot of fun to play with the... uh, What is it? The live beta or whatever. Not live beta, but early access. Mm -hmm. And just seeing the characters in cards is really exciting. (laughs) Yeah, it's the kind of thing where um, before I was really, really, really in there with magic, I know... um, So there was a set that released alternate arts that were Godzilla characters, right? And I remember Richard coming to me and he he was like, "I, I know, I know you don't, like, you're not into magic, but fucking Godzilla cards. Look at these Godzilla cards. And it's just so exciting to see characters that you know and love on cardboard. Yes. And I, I do have, um, I do have some hot takes, um, on character cards in particular, like... I'm fond of the alternate art idea. I like what they did with Godzilla. I like what they did with the Dracula cards. Um, I know there's a lot of controversy about the Walking Dead cards, which were like top tier and also like limited drops and are like hundreds of dollars. Yikes. (laughs) So yikes there. It doesn't seem like the Baldur's Skate set is gonna be that. Um, I don't actually know. Are they alternate arts or are they unique cards? I think they're unique. No, they're they're unique cards. They are part of the set. Like these are... Mm -hmm. Like, we got names from the Forgotten Realms, like Tasha, we got Volo, um, we got His Guide to Monsters, too. Like, and they, they are in here. And they've done D&D collaborative works before, so that's less... I mean, it's Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. Right? Like, it's it's their property. And so Baldur's Gate is also part of mm-hmm. that umbrella. But to see, like, my boyfriend, Will... <laughs> I love Will so much. I know you were yelling about wanting a Will card, and I think that was before he got dropped even. Yeah, and, and he, I saw him and I was like, oh, it's perfect. There he is. There's your boy. And what a, a, another aspect of this 
set is the background card, the legendary enchantments. That's such an interesting mechanic. I love it. Having it as like your second commander and having like a character deck Mm -hmm. with a back. That's so cool. It's a really neat idea. You get to make your own character. I'm going to be so curious if any meta develops with this and what people lean to here, because this is the kind of thing where it's like, oh, I love decks with identity, like community division, I know. But when people are just like, oh, like, you know, I, I want to build a deck that just kind of unga bunga wins and I don't really care about there being like a, a theme other than just, you know, a mechanic, I guess. Yeah. And it's like mechanic themes are fine, but I am, I guess, the epitome of a Yu-Gi-Oh player where it's like, I want my deck to have like the head card. That's why I like commanders. It's like, oh, I want a face card. I want like, I want an aesthetic that I want to lean into. Yeah. I want to I make it my thing and I want the deck to be an extension of me. Yeah, like it's just like a creativity kind of expression. Yeah, and I know people who play like mechanic style decks would argue that that is also an extension of them. But like, I don't know, it's always... I guess I, I'm more for the visuals. I'm more it for feels- the. I'm more for the flavor text. I mean, why are we here? Why are we here if not for flavor text? But and like, we've got all the romanceable characters so far. I think. Thank God, you can just you can just make the romance deck. Exactly. I'm going to make a me red deck mm-hmm. with Will in it. There you go. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. Can't wait to play it. I'm really excited, and they, we have. I don't know if diamonds have been in before, uh, like the mana artifacts. Not well. I, like I think there's been cards that have been called diamonds. Yeah, that's what I'm. Maybe so. Because yeah. I either these are reprints or new. Because we got like moss diamond, fire diamond, charcoal diamond. I, I want to say I've. I think a fire diamond is a card that has existed before. Okay. I I also did fuck up talking about what uh, time spiral slash time card was last week though so don't take anything i say because i i don't know what this card game's about i'm fucking new here <laughs> but yeah Baldur's gate cards those are are exciting um there's i i liked looking at what they've released so far there's actually some really cute little flavor text bits uh i i think if you're more familiar with the franchise they might even hit more for you but it looks like they've put a bit of heart into designing a set that's interesting uh that's kind of to the core of you know the D style the you know tabletop rpg slash baldur's gate style yeah. and uh i'll i'll give i'll give kudos where it's due yeah i like with asterian i was it i was surprised that he was white black mm. yeah that's that's something too is um like this vampire right like when you get any of these like alternate arts or characters printed and you have to sit here and go, Oh no, my headcanons for your colors is wrong now. But like, I definitely (laughs) see it. Like I see all vampires because of you as red, black. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. But having him as white, black makes so much sense for his specific character. Like, and let me point out, technically the true color pie for vampires is red, white, black. Uh, white black vampires are a thing, uh, and that's like kind of the life gain, life drain. Oh yeah, because that's that's the um, kind of mechanic. He has feed and friends, mm-hmm. and it's let's see, feed the target opponent loses life equal to the amount of life they lost this turn, or friends you gain life equal to the amount of life you gained this turn, which is interesting. Oh fuck! I, oh oh, that's gonna synergize with my boy, my favorite boy Vito. 
Oh, hey. Vito, if you, uh, well, there's, there's many things that synergize with Vito, but let me, let me pull up to remind you what he does. And speaking of white, black vampires, because the, um, very first deck I built, uh, was in Arena and it was a white, black vampires deck. And my favorite card at the time was Vito Thorn of the Dusk Rose, and his ability is whenever you gain life, target opponent loses that much life. Right. So it's like, oh, if you're getting something like a double life gain off of those triggers, if you've got, if you're running vampire decks, Vito synergizes really well. He's a two in black cost, so he can slot right in with that. And my favorite combo ever, if I can remember what it was, like, I don't remember the name of the card off the top of my head, and I'm gonna shoot myself on the foot because I played this deck for like months. But it's a choose one. Uh, it's like it's like a double sided card. Like you pick one to cast, and the front side was a resurrect. Um, so cheap resurrect, fine works for vampire decks. But the back side was like a six cost where target opponent loses half their life, and then you gain life equal to what they lost. Oh wow! And then you have veto on the board. Oh yeah. So you just gained the amount of life that they just lost. They lose it again. So it's a two shot combo. Yeah. Um that that was a combo I used to get out of a lot of like really shitty situations with that deck. It was just kind of a, a fun little synergy of ooh, I've got the mana. I've got Vito on the board. Let's <laughs> fucking go. Vito's such a fucking idiot in canon apparently. Uh his his vampire clan worships the sun. The vampire cult <laughs> worships the sun. Amazing. They want they want to be in there. Man, me too, though. I also want to be in the sun. This is the only reason that I have not been able to fully embrace the vampire lifestyle is because I like being warm. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, that's lore my fiancé's passed on to me, Vito, dumbass of the dusk rose. Amazing. So, yeah, no, that, that will be an interesting synergy with that card, I would think. That's and just me thinking a lot about vampires. But I'm just, I'm just so over the moon because... It's coming out near my birthday. Yeah. And June 10th. And I'm just so excited for it to happen. I may go to my first ever pre-release. Yeah, that'll be exciting. You'll have to let me know how that goes. Yes. I'm still too scared to go to pre-releases. The people there intimidate me. (laughs) I'll let you know (laughs) about my LGS is what we call them. Lo- local game shop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I want to be hit. You want to know the terms. The terms. What's the up, LGS. fellow gamers? <laughs> what's <laughs> what's up, Magic players? I'm here to uh, play card games. So here, play card. Let's fucking go. But yeah, no, that, that'll probably be a ton of fun. Um, as any good Magic player should do, uh, much encouragement to go to your local game shop uh, look at events, look at cards that they are selling. Uh, a lot of these game shops have a lot of really ton things going on. And on top of that, a lot of people running shops are just really happy to help people out, especially they're... if you're new to the game and are, are wanting to, you know, have some beginner tips and things like that. They're usually going to be very enthusiastic about new players. My favorite local game shop interaction. So there's, there's a shop that uh, my fiance has been going to for forever and obviously started dragging me to as I got into the game. And I remember I, when the Crimson Vow set came out and I went to go get the draft box because I, I get a draft box for our crew and, you know, we do some in, in-house drafting. Like, I walked in 
went straight up to the counter and I was like, I would like to purchase one draft box, please. And this, the, uh, I think she's the owner of the store. Is she, is she English? Yeah. I, I lo- love her. I love her. She's so sweet. She's just like this little old English lady and she just looks me dead in the eyes and she like then looks at my fiance and then looks at me and she's just like, usually this is the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> just like, no, I'm the gamer now. It's like, no, my, I'm here. My fiance gets to just watch. Yeah, no, that, I, lo- I love that place. Uh, Active Imagination. Yeah, Active Imagination. Albuquerque. If you're ever if you're ever in town, check them out. It's, they are it's a, a cute shop. little place. Mm-hmm. And also I would recommend Etten Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go there. I'm going to try going to one of their commander nights, see how yeah, that goes. Yeah. But it, they're just generally really good vibe places like most of the game shops here in uh, here in albuquerque have a lot of good vibes and i mean it's kind of the like albuquerque's weird because it's not a huge city it's still a city it's a sprawling city it's a sprawling city it's very like if you ever visit new mexico and you're used to like Places like New York or LA, I think you'll probably be, like, surprised by how flat it is. Like, buildings just don't go very high, right? And there is an energy in New Mexico in particular where everybody's just very, like, laid back. And this is something, like, I'm saying this being kind of native here of whenever people come from out of town, especially for, like, conferences at my work, they're always just like, like, New Mexico is so weird. It's so, like, nobody gives a shit. They're just going to show up five minutes late for everything. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody cares. I'm just like, yeah, no, like, we're just kind of... We're just chilling out here. There's nothing else better to do. There's nothing better to do. That's why we're doing a podcast. But yes, support your local game stores, and if you are in the New Mexico area, as I say, it's technically a non-zero chance. Check out check out some of our local game stores. They're fun. They are really fun. They're really good. We have one more thing to, to talk about, which is something that is not super recent news, but was something that I missed. And uh, one of our MTG Vorthos commenters pointed out that around the time Garden of Flesh came out, there actually was another magic story released in tandem with the LGBTQ plus card release. Ah, yes. It's called Note for a Stranger. And so I did go and I read that. And I was like, oh, I'm going to give a small summary. And they're like... I I don't want to say there's not a ton to summarize so much as... The concept is, it is about two characters, Hwatli and Sahili, who I think prior to this were in a relationship confirmed, and this is showing how they kind of started that relationship. And it involves, there's this little, like, nook where I think the gist is planeswalkers can leave, like, anonymous requests and notes for each other. And Hwatli sees a note that's asking for something she can provide, so she provides it, but this starts kind of a pen pal thing between these two people who don't know who they are, um, etc., etc. So, you are watching, or I guess reading, these two interacting each other through cute little letters back and forth, and eventually the letters end with them deciding to meet in real life. Uh, They're both going to meet on a plane for drinks. Cute. And as Hwatli, who's the kind of POV for this chapter, is about to go off for this drink, she meets up with someone she already knows and has a rapport with, and that's Sahili. And goes, hey, I didn't know you were in town. Sahili's like, yeah, I didn't know you were in town either. And spoilers, Sahili was the anonymous note. That's so so as, as they both go to the rendezvous, they realize, oh, it's so you like pina coladas <laughs> and getting caught in the rain. <laughs> um, and it like, 
as I say, there there's a a very 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 cute ending where they um they 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 kiss they they hold hands they kiss under the night sky of Ravnica and depart the moonlight of one plane to emerge under the brilliant stars of another. Uh, explicitly, I think they went to New Capenna to go have a party. Oh hell yeah! And it's really cute, and it comes with the really cute art for the card. This is Heartbeat of Spring. I'm showing. Oh yeah, Sunny. that's so cute. It's really cute art. So vibrant. If too. you want a really good, just kind of fluffy kind of. Happy Happy little romance story. Definitely try Note for a Stranger. That was also pretty good quality. Um, kudos to Allison Lures, who is the writer. I hope I'm saying that right. Lures. Um, but yeah, no, really, really cute story and a really good bonus for the release of that card set. Yeah. So, love, love me some good fluffy little romances. Uh, love when magic allows characters to be happy for a goddamn minute. <laughs> Yeah, kind of. It, it's a nice break from all the violence and gore and grim dark. It's a nice break from watching Gix club someone like a fucking. I don't know. I was gonna say baby seal, and like then I a whack a mole. That was just really morbid, and I'm gonna cry now. Let's go whack a mole. Let's go whack a mole. Yeah, Gix whack a moleing in the background is a much much bad contrast compared to this fluff. So go read fluff. Go encourage it. I think that's really the major news. I know the Baldur's Gate stuff's kind of been dominating the news thread, other than Magic the Circle Jerking continuing to make fun of custom cards. <laughs> hey. Reading the card explains the card. You gotta be real clear about that. You gotta be real clear about that. I'm gonna fucking make you planeswalk in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening in again. Have a good night, everybody. And we'll see you in two weeks' time for part two of The Thran. Goodbye. Goodbye.